0: Dallas Jenkins is the son of celebrated Left Behind author Jerry Jenkins, and he's the creator, the producer, the director, and the writer of the international hit series The Chosen. Dallas, thanks so much for coming on Takeaways.
1: This is my second time, but the it, first time in person. That's right.
0: Yes. you're not you're not just a visual image. You you are here in the f- flesh and blood. Yes, yes, yes. The is. incarnation of Dallas <laughs> Jenkins from the TV to the Takeaway set. Yes. Well, th- thank you. I, I, people are just so blown away by The Chosen and, and so excited, and, and we're hoping, we're imagining in our minds what's going to come next, what, what are future seasons going to look like uh, until we get to the resurrection and... and, and
1: spoiler. And, yeah, spoiler. Just make sure people... We don't want to give away the story. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, Dallas, the series has had such an impact on so many of us. Uh, a lot of us want to know, what what impact has making The Chosen had on you, at, both as a Christian and then also as a storyteller?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great question. It's been pretty significant because when you are learning more about who Jesus is, and for any reason, so for me the reason was, well, I need to portray him on screen, so I better get to know him even more. I mean, I've known him as long as I can remember, but I got really I gotta get this right. right. And so you start reading the gospel stories with with it, an even more specific intention. You're going, all right, now. And, and you start to notice things that you hadn't really noticed before. Like, for example, the biggest one to me is how specific and intimate Jesus' relationship with each person was. So, for example, mm. calling the disciples. He called them each in different ways, in different circumstances. And it typically was geared towards their personality, what they were going through. When he would heal people, same thing. It was... Intimate. It was related to their circumstances, not just physically but spiritually. Uh, you think of him so- oftentimes as a, as a god of the masses because he is. He's he's mm. he came he came to earth for everybody. He came to earth to bring salvation to all. And we also think of of, of some of the, the the miracles, like the feeding of the five thousand, right?
0: 1, the big thousands. stuff, the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, yeah.
1: But the majority of the gospels are specific, intimate stories, mm. and that's what you see in the show when we when he does a miracle, when he's calling someone to follow him, we really kind of shrink our world. And you see Jonathan, the actor who plays Jesus, uh, oftentimes the, even on our camera work and our music, we are taking it out of the, the mass, out of the, I've got a message for everybody, into I've got a something for
0: you, mm. you and me. And that's what we long for. Yeah. Dallas, you're such a good storyteller, and um, I wanna talk a little bit about storytelling and um, how we can be better storytellers. Uh, What did you learn from some of your early storytelling days, Uh, like uh, projects like Hometown Legend and Cliché? What what did those things teach you that you're using now with The Chosen? Yeah, so Hometown Legend was the very first film I ever made. Cliché
1: is actually a short film, the first uh, short that I directed, uh, just a comedy uh, where we were making fun of movie clichés. And the thing, uh, actually, the storytelling thing actually starts a little earlier than that because of my dad who has written over 200 books. A couple of them have been made into movies. I don't know if you knew that. I heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have uh, you might have They been did on a the- reboot
0: uh, uh, in the newest version, but I was left behind in that project.
1: Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> well said. But yeah, no, the, uh, the first couple left behind uh, movies had your face on the cover because you were in them. And uh, so the storytelling gene I did inherit from my
0: dad... Just in a different medium, of course. Some of the projects with shooting testimonial videos at a church helped you to become a better storyteller.
1: Yes. So I, uh, the Chosen, was actually birthed in a church. I, I was working at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago for seven, eight years. This is uh, from 2010 to, to 2017, and uh, when I, I I was there to make movies, but it took a while for it to get going, and and uh, in the meantime, I was doing video production for the church. And I was doing testimonial videos where I would talk to someone like you and I are talking now, uh, for about 45 minutes to hear their story of how God changed their life. And then I would take it and turn it into like a six minute, we called them God at work stories. And at the time when I was doing that, I was thinking, I'm supposed to be making movies. I mean, this this doesn't feel like I'm what I'm called to do. I came here to make movies and uh, this is like, this isn't movie making. Well, I did, you know, 25 30 of them over the course of you know a year or two and when I when I finally got a chance to do a short film and then ultimately a feature film I was like oh my goodness I am 10 times the storyteller that I was two years ago because of these testimony videos mm. and the thing that's really interesting about that is that a lot of times churches or aspiring filmmakers or uh, people who are in charge of the the creativity at their local church will sometimes say oh gosh, we need more movies and TV shows like The Chosen, like Left Behind, like the projects you've done. Uh, and, I, and I always say, no, no, you, you've got some stuff you can do right there within your own church. Mm-hmm. I did it. There are stories in your church that are extraordinarily po- powerful of people whose lives mm. have been changed, and they fit the three-act structure that goes back millennia, goes back to Greek storytelling, You know, goes back to Aristotle, that we follow as storytellers today that actually applies to gospel testimonies. You know, that applies to, I was but God and now, I was drunk. I was adulterous. I was a liar. I was selfish. I was whatever my vice is. But God entered and crushed me or brought someone into my life or did a miracle Mm -hmm. or introduced me to a song or introduced me to someone new. And now I am new. I am refreshed. I am a a new creature. That is storytelling 101. Yeah. And that applies to a video you're doing for your church, which had has extreme impact. I saw lives change from some of those videos we were doing. The same way it applies to a, a TV show. It's that same structure. It's mm. in the gospels. God knew what he was doing when he wrote that book.
0: Yeah, God knew what he
1: was doing when he's telling our story. And there's a reason why the greatest movies and the greatest TV shows and the greatest videos for your church all follow that same three-act structure.
0: Ugh. I love it. I love it, and and I love that. I think we're tapping into uh, a three act structure, or whatever the structure, however many acts there's are supposed to be in the structure, because I think that's the way God tells stories, and they resonate within the human heart, yeah. whether people are Christians or not, whether oh, yeah. Aristotle knew Christ or not. We can see that stories are just so powerful, and especially when they're told in that redemptive kind of way.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the in the in the mainstream or secular uh, ver- vernacular, you'd hear there's the setup. There's the inciting incident, and yep. there's the payoff, yep. or the climax. There's the who your main character was before the inciting incident, mm-hmm. and there's who the main character is at the end of the movie or show. Or That's
0: right. That's I considered. was, but God, and now. Yes. There it is. Yeah. So, Dallas, where do you gain your inspiration? Apart from the Bible, where else do you gain inspiration for making The Chosen?
1: Well... Yeah, the Bible is our primary source of truth and inspiration, but obviously when you're doing eight episodes per season and, and the Bible, the Gospels weren't written in TV show format. Uh, honestly, the bulk of our inspiration comes from our own lives, you know, humanity. Uh, one of the number one things people say after watching The Chosen is it feels human. It feels real. It feels like I, I could place myself. I could see Jesus through their eyes. And so uh, what we've, one of the things I think we're really trying to do is uh, connect the fact that the people 2,000 years ago had the same questions, struggles, uh. doubts—they dealt with oppression, they dealt with uh, socio-political divides, they, de- uh. they, they dealt with um, struggles, doubts, all of that stuff that we face today. And when you can realize that, it makes, it makes it even more powerful. That said, you know when you see, for example, Simon and his wife Eden at home having an argument or having a, a moment of, of romance. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot from my own life as well. You know, you you'll see, you, when you're seeing some of that stuff, you're going. I, and I, the fact that some of our crew members, when we were filming some of these scenes, were going, "Do you have a recording at my home right now?" Like this, Yeah. Did you? This, we, this, this marital argument sounds exactly there. like what we have when I come home from a trip, or in, in the case of Simon and Eden, uh, you know, Simon's been called by Jesus; he's in ministry. She supports that. She loves that. She's proud of her husband, and yet when he's gone for three weeks. That doesn't make it any easier just because she's supportive of it. It doesn't make it easier. So when he comes home and some of the tension that they have, yeah, that comes from my own life.
0: So that, that brings a unique challenge that uh, I've faced it in some of the some of the projects that I've tried to do, not, not nearly to the extent that you are, but how do you navigate being historically accurate and also being um, creatively fresh?
1: I know there are some people who are only comfortable with seeing the words of Scripture Reenacted exactly that's been done multiple times uh, the Jesus film, Gospel of Matthew, all that and it's great. there's nothing wrong with that at all. I would I would contend that most people would agree that watching those, especially when you've read the stories is interesting but not not very not as not as engaging as just going ahead and reading God's word. Now when a pastor gets up to preach, he doesn't literally get up, read a passage of scripture and sit down. He gives you historical context. He gives you cultural context. He gives you, and sometimes he'll even say, a pastor might even say, put yourself there for a second. Imagine what you might be experiencing. Now, that's not at all to contradict or pull you away from God's word. It's to give you context that the readers at the time did have. Because a lot of these books of the Bible at the time weren't, like when when Matthew was writing his gospel, he didn't know it was going to be part of a larger Bible. He was telling his story. giving his giving the gospel according to Matthew, and the readers at the time actually understood and had context for some of the things he was referencing that we don't have context for. Now, here's a very important question that we ask ourselves every time we write anything. Because to your point, it is scary. It is dangerous. How do we navigate it? We want to be honoring to the Gospels, but we're also creating a TV show and being creative. Our operating question is, is this plausible? We know that not all of it is factual, but is this plausible? And that includes historical, cultural, but also, does this fit within the character and intentions of Jesus in the Gospels? Mm. I make it very clear. I'm going to make it clear right now. I'm not God. The show isn't the Bible. Jonathan, Rumi, (laughs) isn't Jesus? (laughs) We make that clear all the time. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, just in case people were confused. Just in case. But we make that clear all the time. We don't idolize the show. The show is not a replacement for scripture. Never will be. Never should be. However, we do think if it's plausible If this does fit within the character and intentions of Jesus in the Gospels, we believe that we can do a first century drama that uh, that uses the Bible as its primary source of truth and inspiration, and hopefully ultimately draws people closer to Scripture.
0: Which is why you can add characters in there, like Eden, the wife of Peter. Uh, You can create things that we don't read in the Scriptures, but... Are plausible and may help us to relate even more to what we do read in the Bible. Right
1: now, if we were doing that and then changing what was in the Bible, well, yeah. it just doesn't feel very relatable. Let's yeah. change it. Yeah, let's make Jesus a little softer. Let's make uh, Peter. Let's let's have him not go through these struggles because we want to make it. Because we want to treat him differently. Or, uh, th- that would be a problem.
0: One of the scenes that uh, was in season three that was kind of a a mind-blowing scene was the scene of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, uh, apart from just creating a visual like that, uh, I heard that that biblical account actually had a powerful uh, impact on your life. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, this was, uh, in fact, the... The, the, the change in my life that led to The Chosen was uh, my, my feature film that I had just done was a, was a failure at the box office. I genuinely didn't know if I was ever going to make another movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and my wife and I were home alone crying and praying and confused and uh, wondering why God had led us to this point and given us this opportunity only for it to fail, made you think, maybe God isn't in this. Maybe I mis- mis- misread the tea leaves, and, uh, and then God really laid it on my wife's heart to go to the feeding of the 5,000. And then across the world, he put it on someone's heart to tell me out of the blue, after my wife had already gone to the story, out of the blue just randomly reaches out to me and says the following words that changed my life. Remember, Dallas, it's not your job to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. That concept of we are responsible for the five and two. Mm. Jesus could have waved his hand and everyone could have had uh, food in their laps from nothing but he uses us to participate in the miracle. He asks us to do the thing that we don't need him for, making food, for example, so that what's left is only what he can do, which is the multiplication. So when I embrace that, that approach of, I'm just responsible to bring the five loaves and two fish, make them as good and healthy as they can be. What God does with that is up to him. The transaction with me is over. Not only change my life personally, but I believe it actually changed the, you know, it's what birthed the chosen because it allowed me to be open to ridiculous ideas like crowdfunding and making the show free. And we, you know, the chosen is free all over the world. That doesn't make any sense. But we're on God's impossible math train now. We're on the five and two plan now. It's the sure. logo of our company. Call company is called Loaves and Fishes with the Hebrew symbols for five and two. We've now got shirts everywhere of like five plus two equals five thousand. Uh, it's it's all about the fact that um we, this applies to the chosen. We're just doing what we can to honor God and then what he wants to do to multiply it and to get it to the world is up to him and to get a chance to finally portray that scene Uh. and to actually try to bring it to life again 2,000 years later with literally thousands of people on the set Uh. and with Jonathan able to... Uh, to, to preach and to, to bring back some of Jesus's words that, that are in Scripture.
0: Dallas, one of the things that I, I know many people appreciate about the, the way you've chosen to portray Jesus and the disciples is that you don't shy away from a lot of the difficult, weighty topics. I mean, you've, you've talked about uh, the loss of a child, marriage struggles, suffering, healing, faith, doubt, feuding people groups. Um, you know, if one of the great apologetics for the scriptures, is that there is embarrassing stuff in the actual documents that you wouldn't really want to include if you were trying to write a holy book that was written by God with all of these people who have the answers for all the world, and there's all this embarrassing stuff, and you actually highlight that in The Chosen. Uh, What's your reason for doing that? Well,
1: the theme of season three, for example, is come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm. Well, the rest part, which is beautiful and and, and makes for great television when Jesus brings healing to someone, when he brings redemption to someone, when he's doing a miracle. All of that is awesome. But if you gloss over the weary and heavy laden part, if you gloss over the pain, if you gloss over the struggle and the questions and the doubts, well, not only does that mean make the, uh, the ultimate climactic scene far less impactful, but you as the viewer really don't have anything you can really identify with. There are people watching The Chosen all over the world who, if they are told, Jesus comes along and makes everything okay. That's how this works. And see, we're going to just do a show like, and look, this person's struggling. Jesus comes and makes it okay. And then everything is good from then on. The person watching at home is going, wow, that's not what I'm experiencing. So what happens when Jesus isn't here in the flesh? Can I still have faith? It's easy for these disciples to have faith and they're following them around all the time and they're with the God in the flesh. That's easy. But I don't have God in the flesh in front of me right now healing my diseases. What do I do then? Well, I think it's important to note that even those who followed Jesus around still had questions, still had struggles, still sinned, still messed up. Heroes of the faith from the Old Testament to the New still struggled even after they were communing directly with the God of the universe. Mm. If we gloss over those things, it really, not only, I believe, um, hurts the show and and and, and uh, diminishes the impact that the viewer can have yeah. and the relationship that they can have with God today. It's not even, it's not truthful.
0: Mm. And that's the yeah. biggest
1: thing, it's not truthful. It's not truthful. And I see a lot of, I, I've seen a few people who maybe are uncomfortable with some episodes at times going, oh, that didn't make me feel as good. I'm like, you mean like the people who were living in first century Judea who were oppressed by the Romans and when Jesus came and they thought, hey, great, you're going to get rid of the oppression. And he went, no, actually, things are actually going to get worse. I'm not here for that. I'm here for your heart. I'm here for the kingdom of your, of, I'm building a different kind of kingdom than the one you expect. Um, mm. If that message doesn't apply today, then you got a lot of people all over the world going, uh, I'm poor, I'm struggling, I'm questioning. And uh, if you're telling me that uh, that 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 the answers to all that are easy and, and, and quick, and that, that my life turns around, all I have to do is believe, and my life will just turn around, uh, you got a lot of you got a lot to answer for because I, I am believing, and my life is still difficult. Yeah, can I still have faith then? And I think the show has to address that.
0: Uh, what are some of the big aha moments that people have come to you and said that scene, that's the scene that has made me finally understand a, a portion of the character of God or a, or a portion of scripture that I never really saw before? So I, I would say two things immediately
1: come to mind. Number one, um, first episode of season one, very first episode, when most people start watching The Chosen, especially if they've heard about it from friends, they'll get halfway through and they'll go, I thought this was a Jesus show. Where's Jesus? And wait, who are these? We do a lot of what's called world building, where in the first you know, 30, 40 minutes of the episode, there's actually not stuff from scripture yet. You don't see Jesus yet. We're introducing you to these characters. Well, the main character that we're introducing to you is Mary Magdalene. And she's demon-oppressed, you know. And and there, there there's a... The, the scene that most people talk about, the scene that's been, you know, probably the hallmark of the show is when Jesus encounters her at her lowest moment and redeems her and casts out the demons. And we've had people not only say... Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed? Like, yeah, it's actually in the Bible. That's how she's introduced. Mary Magdalene, who'd had seven demons cast out of her. Uh, but they also th- say, Jesus meeting her where she was at. Jesus saying to her, that's not for you. That life that you are pursuing right now is not for you. I'm calling you by name. You are mine. That That is the scene that seems to have been the most impactful. Mm.
0: One of my very favorite scenes was when Jesus was talking uh, with a woman at the well. And yeah. uh, I just, it just... It was just—I don't know—just blew blew my mind to see all of that visualized, and the way that he spoke to her, and the way that that she responded to him. Um, it, it was amazing.
1: Well, I'll say real quick to the, to your point about that—that that scene is might be the best example in the show of taking scripture, keeping it, not changing it, but giving you context that if you didn't have that scene in the scripture is is somewhat odd at times. You're kind of like, what's she talking about here, and what's she referencing there in the temple and the. And and if you don't know the the division between Samaritans and Jews, if you didn't know the difference, the, the 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 issues of women and men, and how even that exchange in and of itself, a one-on-one exchange in the middle of a day between a man and a woman, would have been scandalous. All of those things that you don't know, if you just read the scriptural yeah. account, adding those things into the scene are what uh, helped to bring it to life.
0: Yeah, there was something particularly interesting to me in the way that the character of Jesus said. Um, you have five men in your life. Yes. And almost like it was the town rumor that had been going around. Rather than him informing her, uh, I guess, I think the way that I had read it just in my head all of these years, sort of letting her know that he knew yeah. the, the private thing, but saying it like, this is the rumor and this is how you're identified and how you're known in the community, but that's not how I see you. Yes. I was like,
1: whoa, that was just a... Yeah, that, it, was, that it's was not just a mind trick that he's doing with her where he's like, I know more about you than you think I do. Right. It's actually, as we alluded to earlier, he's speaking to her pain. He's speaking to the fact that she's out here in the middle of the day because women normally would go in the beginning of the day together to get to, to get water from the well. Mm. She's by herself in the middle of the day in the heat because she's outcast. He knows that. He sees that. That's important for us to recognize in that scene.
0: In season three, episode eight, Uh, there's a big question that's asked. Jesus of Nazareth, if you are who you say you are, why do you inspire and transform some people but threaten and disgust others? Talk about these big questions that are dealt with in season three.
1: Yeah, so the feeding of the 5,000, we have it as taking place in the Decapolis, which is actually where one of the feedings in the Gospels takes place. There's two, there's two actually feedings of thousands in the Gospels. One of them takes place in Decapolis, which was an extremely diverse region of Jews and Gentiles, uh, different sects of Judaism. Uh, uh different types of 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 agnostics and and re- all these different faiths so what jesus coming there and and bringing thousands of people together at that time would have been a quite remarkable thing so that question of all right jesus i 'm hearing that you 've got thousands of people following you and then there's other people who want to kill you why is that and uh that 's a question that I think we had to, we had to ask and, and and I think it's a question the reason that we wanted to ask it the reason we want to shy away from it is because it 's a question people ask today how come people like you and me have devoted our lives to Jesus and are willing to put it on the line for Jesus and are willing to sacrifice things for Jesus, and if there's other people who find the message offensive or who find us offensive, uh, how, how does that tension work? Uh, and I think the answer is in the Gospels. I mean, Jesus Himself says, "Hey, I didn't come here to actually like bring unity because my message is a sword. Like, yeah, people will be divided, uh, uh, and it's because when you come to the understanding." of what Jesus is truly saying, not only in the Gospels, but in our show. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. Not, I'm one of the ways. I'm one of the truths. I'm one of the lives. Yeah. Not, hey, uh, uh, um, some some can come to me, uh, to, to the Father through me. Some can come to the Father through others. He's saying, no one comes to the Father but through me. Some people, that can be exciting if you believe. Yeah. If you're not sure. It's actually quite offensive message.
0: Yeah, you're you're right, and 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 we do have those tough questions, those big questions of life. Why does God allow uh, evil in His world? If He's authoring the story, is He the author of evil? Um, why is it that the scriptures say that for for some Christians are uh, the aroma of life, and others it's the stench uh, of death yeah. to those who are perishing? But thank God He knows what He's doing and why He's doing things the way that He is. And um, I love that about all the parables, the stories that Jesus told. They would they would. Tend to give more light to those who could see, but they would uh, further uh, leave people in darkness if they didn't have eyes to see.
1: Yeah, and what's the message for us? Those of us who already who do believe, this is a huge one. And my wife talked addressed this in in our uh, chosen devotional book. Uh, Jesus doesn't want passive followers, so he oftentimes was was um, calling. The, the group, he'd have yep. 2,000 people with following him, believing in him, and then he'd say something offensive, and he'd lose half of them, and they'd go, Jesus, you just lost half your followers. He's like, in some ways, he didn't say these words, but he was almost like, good, I, I, I want people who are in this for what's going to come, which is difficulty. Right. And if you only need the good stuff, if you only want to hear the things that's going to make you feel better, and you're not willing to sacrifice, and you're not willing to die to self, then... You're not one of mine. And so I think for us as followers, we need to go, we need to, hopefully the show can do this, but more than ever, more importantly, the Gospels can do this and remind us that Jesus is not, this is not just a, you either believe or you don't. This is a, if you believe, you need to believe all of it and you need to come to an understanding of what that belief actually means. And if you don't, well then, as the Gospels say, you said things in my name, but I actually didn't know you.
0: Well, thank you for making the chosen. We're so excited. We're looking forward to it uh, as well. And uh, just know, there's just millions of us who are who are praying and b- believing that that you're you're the man for the job right now. We're so happy, so thankful.
1: Well, I appreciate that. It's honoring. It's 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 humbling, and uh, I I love what you're doing too. Keep keep doing what you're doing because it's a partnership. It's we're all trying to just get people to know and love Jesus more.
0: Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.